Hello and welcome to the Sick Podcast, Giant Central, the sickest New York Giants podcast on the planet in the universe. I'm your host, Desmond Novak. Welcome to episode 18. Going to be hitting a breakdown of the Giants and Jets' disgusting, deplorable week eight matchup and how, in my opinion, this game and this loss entirely falls on Brian Dable. Hit it, Sammy. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast, Giant Central. Incomplete, and the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. The sickest New York Giants podcast. It's gonna be sick. Y'all, this is for my NBA fans out there. If you're a fanatic like me, you know that basketball is back in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, of course, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down just five smackaroos on the NBA. Win or lose, it don't matter. You're going to start the season with an instant W. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins, of course, because you can string together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. You all already know. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 6sports because new customers can get $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five smackaroos. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code 6sports. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Whew. Man, this is going to be probably my longest episode of this show thus far. And not only the longest, but my angriest. The Giants have been fucking terrible this year. Like, they're 2-6. and six. The, and it's not only that they're two and six, they're playing some of the worst football I've seen in a long time. And even then, despite that, I think I've had like one angry episode on the podcast and it was a you know the Bills game where Mike Kafka had just a terrible play call at the end. And that that's what really got me, because I say it all the time. If a player costs the Giants a game, I don't care. Like these guys have enough going on, whatever. If a coach and their dumb decisions ruin a game that's where I get angry but overall I'll get into the cold coaching shenanigans soon but this might have been like from an objective point of view the worst football game I've ever watched like there was nothing going for it other than a couple of flashy plays by the Jets because even even though the Giants were in the lead for the majority of this game it was not like an enjoying lead like it was not fun to watch uh the Giants ended this game with negative nine passing yards, negative nine, four, technically five fucking quarters of football, and they they had negative nine yards. Now, granted, Tyrod Taylor went out in the second quarter with a rib injury, and it didn't really look good for him. I think as of this morning, he was still in the hospital undergoing tests. Uh, Brian Dable said in an interview today, that his ribs are feeling a little sore. So they probably just want to make sure he's all good. Because for those of you who don't know, when Tyrod Taylor was on the Chargers, he had an incident with the doctor who gave him a shot in his ribs, which ended up basically costing him his season. So they obviously want to be careful with that. Once he came in, it was it was time for Tommy DeVito. And I was actually pretty excited, but holy fuck, was he terrible. Like, I didn't expect much out of Tommy DeVito because like he looked fine, but not great in the preseason. But 
it's more of the fact with him that the Giants very clearly didn't trust him to even make like simple fucking passes, which brings up a larger issue with that being coaching and decision making from the higher ups. Because if you don't trust your third string quarterback to make even the simplest of passes, why the fuck is he on your roster? I understand they want to have maybe like a, a younger guy to try and develop, but fucking like the dude's 25. Like he he's an old man at this point. Like he, he, he there's no point to have him on the roster. He's not going to develop into anything because he's he's already fucking almost as old as Daniel Jones. Like it's so frustrating. I like Tommy DeVito. He's a cool guy. He's got a cool name. But like if you don't trust him to pass the ball more than seven times and basically what? three total quarters because half the second half then overtime then third and fourth quarter obviously so basically three quarters you don't trust him to throw the ball more than seven times why is he on your roster I don't understand that and it's to the point where I think they're going to bring someone in this week his uh spoiler alert Daniel Jones should be back for the Raiders apparently he was cleared to go uh before the game but the doctors didn't tell Brian Dable until after the game I don't know. I think this is whole a big PR thing by John Mara just trying to cover his tracks because fuck John Mara. Um, they uh, worked out. I believe it was Matt Barkley and Ian Book two weeks ago. I'd imagine they bring in one of them. If I had to pick, it would be Matt Barkley. He has experience working under both Brian Dable and Joe Shane was with Buffalo for what? Four years, I think now was released in September. He's a little old, but he has more experience than a lot of the other options on the free agent market. And if Tyrod's going to miss extended time, like I honestly, unfortunately imagine he would, they very clearly can't and do not trust Tommy DeVito. I will say, I'm going to pull this clip up here shortly. Tommy DeVito did make one nice play. Like he didn't do shit like the entire game, but there was one play I want to give him props for that came in the, I believe the third quarter. One moment here. Where. The Giants, again, they didn't trust him to do shit the entire game. They they didn't even let him throw, like, easy passes. But for some reason, on third and goal, they let him run a fucking RPO. And I want to say that he made a pretty good read here. I mean, it's a basic RPO where you're going to see the edge rusher here who's going to determine the entire play. If he crashes, it he takes... Tommy DeVito takes the ball. If he holds up, Saquon gets the ball. And fortunately for the Giants, the edge rusher here, once the snap goes, pull, you know, Bull rushes in thinking he's going to make the play of his life. I don't really know who that is because this is not the best quality. Um, and Tommy DeVito is going to take the ball, run out the edge. Thank God for this safety, that crash too, because he might have died on, on the field if he got hit because that dude is running with a full head of steam. Obviously didn't make the right read. And Tommy DeVito just strolls on in. First NFL touchdown in his first game. He, again... Didn't do shit aside from that. I, I don't really have many words for him. Uh, a good moment, though. Local guy, grew up in New Jersey, went to Syracuse before finishing his college career in Illinois. But, I mean, he's very clearly not an NFL quarterback. He finished the game one of seven for negative one yard, which is, like, a really funny stat line. And it's just... I, I got nothing for him. Like, even when he had, like, easy passes to make, he was way off target. Like, he's just very clearly not an NFL quarterback, which, again, goes into my issues with Brian Dable. I've been a big believer in Dable since we, you know, brought him in. He had an incredible first season. But 
this game, like, I'm not giving up on him by any means, but holy fuck, dude. This was, like, an embarrassing display of coaching to the point where it's, like, where do you go from here? Because he, like, Brian Dable completely shit his pants with his decision-making this game. Because not only do you have the Tommy D thing where... I get he's not the general manager, so he doesn't have control of who's on the roster, who signs, but he plays a role in his quarterbacks as the head coach. And if you don't trust this guy to be your third string quarterback and make simple passes, why the fuck is he on the roster? Why is he on your team when there are options again, like a Matt Barkley, like a fucking Colt McCoy? I'd rather bring Colt McCoy back if, you know, those those out there who remember the Seahawks game he won. Shout out uh, Colt McCoy. I don't know if the Texas thing is horns up or horns down. I don't know what one's good. I I don't watch college football often except for during my scouting thing. Um, And then there's the Graham Gano thing. Graham Gano has been hurt the last two weeks. It's a pretty well-known thing. And it was announced that he's going to need surgery at the end of the season. Why the fuck is he not on IR? Like, why are you not letting him get that surgery early and bringing a new kicker in? Because it's very clearly affecting his ability to kick. He's at just 64% of his field goals this season, which compared to his normal, which is well high into the 90s, is really bad. And three of his misses have come in the last two weeks, which is when he got hurt. So for him to not only allow Graham Gano to play this game, granted he did make a field goal, but I'll get into why that's a bad idea that they played him. For them to not only play Graham Gano, but it's just not even bring a kicker to work out is just stupid. Let Gano get this surgery early because keeping him on the field and keeping him playing is doing no good for the Giants. It's not like he's playing well when hurt because if he was playing well when hurt, the Giants would have fucking won yesterday. So it's just, it's mind-blowing. And then you have the issue of it's fourth and one. There's like, what, 25 seconds left, whatever. The Giants have the ball on the Jets' 25-yard line? Yeah, it was a 35-yard field goal, so mathematically they're in the 25-yard line. And he fucking opts to kick it with an injured Graham Gano instead of going for it on fourth down, which is just, why? This is the second game now where the Giants have needed one yard to win and they haven't trusted Saquon Barkley to get that one yard, which I you you put this kid through all this bullshit with his contract. I'm so sorry for swearing so much, but I'm like genuinely really pissed off about this game, by the way. Anyways, you put this kid through all this bullshit with his contract. You, you say, oh, you're a franchise guy, but we're just not going to pay you. And I don't I don't care about that contract situation. I've given my thoughts on it in the past. But then you sign him to a shitty one or two year deal. And then you consistently force him to play an absurd amount of snaps. Like I think he had what 36 carries yesterday. And then you don't trust him to get one fucking yard. You don't even have to trust him. Do the tush push. I like fuck dude. You you know, Graham Gano is hurt. He missed a field goal early in the game. Why are you allowing him to go out there and kick again and put that game on the line? Mathematically, analytically, that was the right play without context. But when you add the context, it's fourth and one. You have one of the best running backs in the league who was the only reason this offense had any amount of success and you have a hurt kicker. It makes no fucking sense to, to kick it right there. And that's my problem with Brian Dable this season is that aggressiveness we saw from him last season. I mean, his career with the Giants started off with him going for two against the Titans, risking it all and it paying off. 
So for him to just completely ignore that aggression and not do it, I, I just it's mind boggling. I, I like I, again, I'm not giving up on Brian Dable, but I can't sit here and watch him again basically shit his pants and not know what to do in this situation and have full confidence like I used to. And I don't want to talk about the offense much because there's nothing to talk about. They were terrible again, 10 points. Overtime, there shouldn't have been an overtime. But overtime really pissed me off. Like, to an extent of, like, I want Mike Kafka fucking gone. I was saying during the game that I didn't understand his game plan offensively because it looked like there was no goal other than to get the offense off the field. Like running pass plays that go nowhere, running on almost every second down. I understand Tommy DeVito is Tommy DeVito. You don't want to trust him, but this is where my problem is. You don't trust Tommy DeVito to throw the ball for the three, the two and a half quarters he played in in in, uh, in the fucking normal section of the game. I can't think of the proper words. My mind is so scrambled about this. But then you go into overtime, and on the first and only three plays of your possession, you make him throw every time. And not only do you make him throw every play after not letting him throw all game, all of them are screen passes behind the line of scrimmage on a first and 20 possession. What the fuck are you doing? Three fucking screens in a row. Three. All behind the line of scrimmage all with no hope of getting any yards. I understand wanting to get the ball to your dynamic playmakers and Wandale and Saquon, but when they're starting from behind the line of scrimmage with this offensive line, this blocking, you are setting yourself up for failure. And it's just so mind boggling to me how one, the entire game, they don't trust Tommy DeVito, but the second we get to overtime, they force him to make plays that he has proven he can't make. It, it, it's just it ah oh, it's so frustrating and i hate being this angry anger is an emotion i don't enjoy feeling but it's impossible for me to not be when i'm watching these players especially on defense which i'll get into play their fucking ass off for the coach coaches and their dumb decisions to lose the game that's how you lose faith in a locker room like imagine being saquon barkley you have two opportunities to win the Giants massive games. And both times, your coach does not trust you to do it after all the shit you went through this offseason. I would not want to play under that coach. I'm not Saquon Barkley. I still have faith in Brian Dable. But why would any player who is touted as his top three running back in the league, again, all the contract shit in the offseason, and then your offensive you know, your offensive guru coordinator and head coach consistently don't trust you to win them games. That is a problem. And that is again, how you lose a locker room. And I just, the Giants spent the whole game playing not to lose instead of winning. They were just running clock. They weren't running plays that that were actually meant to get them in a scoring position. And I'm just at a loss for words. I like, this feels like that game You could have told me that this game was coached by Joe Judge and Jason Garrett again, and I would not have, like, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it, it's just the flashbacks in my mind I'm getting of having to watch a Jason Garrett offense coached by Joe Judge is what I'm getting. 
you bring in Mike Kafka, who's this, you know, offensive quarterback guru, you know, trained up Patrick Mahomes, whatever. First year offensive coordinator has some flashes, but in overall is a fine, you know, fine play caller. Brian Dable brings the Giants through the playoffs his first season. And now you come into this year and the energy is completely different. There's no hype. There's no en- there's no energy like none, period. The aggressiveness is gone. The creativity and the play calling is gone. Even when the offense was fully healthy, there wasn't shit. And I just, I don't know what to do. Again, Daniel Jones, fortunately, will be back next week. Hopefully, he was cleared for contact. I'd imagine he'd be fine. And the Giants need him to step at the fuck up. He cannot play like he did pre-injury because the Giants aren't going to win any games. And entering the second half of the season, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And I'm going to get into my whole spiel on, because you know we're basically at the halfway point, on my thoughts on the second half of the season, but it's not looking good. But on to a more positive light, let's talk about the defense, which is the only good part of this game. And it's another week where the defense looked like one of the best units in the NFL. Granted, they're playing the Jets, and last week they played the Commanders, but regardless, they've looked great. I mean, shit, the Jets beat the Eagles before their bye week, and the Commanders almost beat the Eagles. So it's not like these are two terrible teams. They're two very fine teams. And, and, you know, they shut them down almost completely on offense. They allowed just 298 total yards, and they really held the Jets' offense down entirely until the fourth quarter when everything went to shit, and they didn't convert a single third down the entire game until the fourth quarter. And I remember like the crowd was going fucking nuts during it, which is really funny. Um, I said on the last episode going into this game that the Giants really needed to contain Brees Hall because Garrett Wilson's a weapon and he kind of, I'm not going to say prove me wrong because I figured he'd be good, but I was going on of how like Zach Wilson fucking sucks. And if we can shut down Zach Wilson, we can shut down Garrett Wilson. That wasn't the case. Um, but Brees Hall, is like a fucking monster. And I was saying, I that's like the only guy in that Jets offense I'm really scared for. And the Giants did a pretty good job at uh, shutting him down. I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. He did have uh, an incredible play, a uh, 50-yard touchdown run in the first quarter, which kind of had me on edge because I didn't really know if the Giants were going to be able to fucking score this game and to have the Jets come out and run something like this. Um, yeah, it's just, so you're going to see here, uh, Zach Wilson's going to, uh, take the snap and Brees is just immediately going to go and sit here in the soft spot of the giant zone. I can't see, I haven't been able to see the whole play because I was going to do a whole breakdown on the three giant screens, but NFL plus is being a pain in the ass. So I wasn't really able to get that, but again, it looked like a cover two. Brees Hall just plants himself right in the middle of that uh, soft spot, gets the ball and, this reminds me of the Dolphins run that kind of just shifted the energy of the game. This game, this play didn't really shift the energy because the Giants held on great and really had the the game in their hands until the fourth quarter. But I just want to, uh, I'm going to let the play go out here. Just look at this fucking snapshot right here. You have one, two, three, four, five Giants defenders within range. Granted, I think this is CJ Uzama is going to make a great block here and kind of open up this gap. But even then Jason Pinnock is right there to make a pretty easy fucking tackle and just watch how everyone whiffs on this fucking play. I mean, like, holy shit, dude. (laughs) 
Brees Hall is an incredible player. Don't get me wrong. He deserved to score there. But, like, what are we doing, dog? Like, there are five people there that can make that tackle. None of them did. And that was the only really bad play from the defense. Again, they shut him down the entire time and even kind of shut down Brees Hall. He only had 12, he had 12 carries for just 17 yards, six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. So really, if you take away that play, which I'm not going to because it was an incredible play, he really was a big part of their offense for one play of the game, which is what they needed to do. Another week in general in which the Giants run defense looked incredible, which is, again, great because last season and earlier in this season, they had one of the worst run defenses. But with Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden both kind of stepping into their roles in a much bigger way than I kind of expected them to, they've played a big time part in shutting down any run defensive or any run offensive gone against. They held the Jets to 22 carries for 58 yards total, averages 2.6 yards a carry. Like, Going into this week, I said that the Giants, like, they can't lose to Zach Wilson, and they lost to Zach Wilson, unfortunately. And it's just another week where I kind of got proven wrong, like how I said that the Giants can't lose to Josh Dobbs, and they almost lost to Josh Dobbs. But I will say that that Cardinals game, the Cardinals losing that game was not on Josh Dobbs, so whatever. Um, Regardless, Fabio Carrique had nine tackles, three tackles for a loss. McFadden had five of his own and a fumble recovery. And it's just overall, outside of a few plays uh, in this game, the Giants defense was incredible. I've said it a thousand times already this episode, but it's really nice to see because it's also not because look at the amount of games the Giants defense has kept, you know, them in the game and the offense has failed to capitalize, which is just so painful to watch. Um. But yeah, I just I don't I have no words for this anymore. Uh, the defense really kind of shit themselves on their final possession. They had uh, 25, the Jets had were at the 25, had 75 yards to go, and then the Giants gave up back-to-back 29-yard passes, one to Garrett Wilson, one to Alan Lazard. And my thing is, Wink Barndell played, had an incredible system this game. He had very creative stunts at both blitz-wise and in zones that really kind of had Zach Wilson shitting himself in the pocket for the most part. Same thing he did against Sam Howell, and I said that they had to have that similar game plan because they're both not very good. Um, but you know the Jets have to go 75 yards in 25, 24 seconds, I think. Why the fuck are you are you going so heavy at Zach Wilson and kind of not really leaving the middle of the field wide open because that's on the players to execute, but not padding a zone? And just leaving these two very good wide receivers in one-on-one coverage, especially Garrett Wilson on Deontay Banks, because uh, I have a whole thing on individual performances coming up. Deontay Banks fucking sucked this game, and he was getting cooked the whole game. He was getting cooked all game. It's not like the Commanders game where he gave up a lot of yards, but he also had an interception and kind of had some nice plays that led to the Giants, you know, having a shit ton of success on defense. Deontay Banks just straight up wasn't good this game but you continue to keep him one-on-one. And this is the last play I'm going to bring up. And it's going to go into my bigger thing of why I'm kind of tired of uh, Adore Jackson. This dude, like, might have had one of the dumbest plays I've seen from a Giants player in a long time, which is saying a lot. But, I mean, it's third and five. The Jets are at their, looks like their 
40, not 40, whatever, 46 yard line. And Zach Wilson throws a bomb to fucking Malik Taylor, who doesn't have a catch on the season, by the way. And just watch Adore. You're going to see him right here. It's very blurry right now. Just, just watch what he does. Or no, right there. Like, how the fuck do you not even turn around? Like, look at where the ball, when it comes in the frame, it lands at Adore's feet. Like, that pass was underthrown by a solid three yards to where if he even turned around, he could have intercepted it, let alone batting it down and making the Jets have to either go for it on fourth and fourth and five or kick a super long field goal. And instead, he face guards for some fucking reason and costs the Giants a game because of a fucking DPI penalty. And Adore has been fucking terrible this year. I, I'm kind of like, I was kind of defending him last episode saying I didn't really want to trade him, but he has been really bad this year. Um, on the season, he's gave up 27 receptions on 36 targets, 75% completion percentage for 390 yards and a touchdown in seven games. You have guys like Cordell Flott, Deontay Banks, and I mean, he hasn't played much, but despite being inconsistent, uh, Trey Hawkins, who are all playing better than that. And it's to the point where like, I'm not, I wasn't the highest on, uh, on trading him, but at this point I do it. You're fucking two and six. Why not get rid of him? And he is caught. He basically costs you a game. Like, just it's just so frustrating. Overall, I'm not going to be overly critical. Like, I could dive into a lot of shit that the defense did later on that really annoyed me. But it doesn't matter when the defense plays as well as they do and the offense only puts up ten fucking points. Like, there's nothing more that you can ask for the defense. Uh, some ind- individual performances that really stuck out this game. Dexter Lawrence had one of the best pass rushing games like ever. I won't say ever, but like in recent years, uh, he had three tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss in 15 pressures, 15. He was the highest graded player in the NFL, according to PFF and had the most pressures in a game since JJ Watt in 2014, which for a nose tackle, is really fucking impressive. Like, nose tackles, a lot of the times, like, they'll get a sack every now and then, but they're eating so many double teams to the point where, like, they're not going to get many pressures and all that. But it doesn't matter for Dexter Lawrence. Like, he's, I believe, tied for first in pressures despite getting double teamed all the time, despite being a nose tackle. He's first in the NFL in pressures and, again, just had uh, the most pressures in a game since 2014 which is just fucking absurd. And I think I read a stat. I'm, I'm not sure how accurate the stat is because it's, it just seems very absurd. And it was like the most pressures in the NFL when lined up at nose tackle because like nose tackle is like a weirdly specific uh, position, especially with like PFF. Cause you have like PFF only has like edge defenders and interior defenders and then nose tackles. So I'm not going to give it like a crazy amount of credibility because I'm not the biggest fan of PFF. But it was at the NFL leaders in pressures while lined up at nose tackle. It was like Dexter Lawrence with 31 or 33 and then BJ Hill with six, which like, holy shit, man. And shout out BJ Hill, by the way, former giant. I remember I was like, I like the trade because I think we got Billy Price and then Billy Price was terrible. Um, So me being wrong again. Um, 
Another performance from the front five. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau had probably the best game of his career. Nine tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. PFF didn't give him a single other pressure outside of his sacks, which I'm sorry, that's totally fucking false. Like, I don't know how they drew that up. Again, just another PFF subjective stat that I don't entirely agree with. Had a strip sack at the beginning of the game that, of course, the Giants didn't capitalize on. And then another sack with a minute 25 left that, by all means, should have ended the game. But the whole whole team collapsed after that. Um, and Thibodeau, for some reason, was under a lot of fire by uh, WFAN, WFAN host who was like calling him garbage, saying he doesn't contribute in a meaningful way and like flipped the fuck out on Carl Banks and like kicked him off the show over this. And I'm just glad he did that because, like, that dude is a fucking dumbass. I don't even know his name. I listened to it. And, I like, the whole time I'm like, wow, this guy really doesn't watch Giants football if he thinks that Kayvon doesn't contribute in a meaningful way because he won the Giants two games last season while being an edge rusher and has had an incredible season. He's third in the NFL in sacks with eight and a half right now, which for a second-year edge rusher is pretty damn incredible when you had a lot of people – I mean, he was the third edge rusher taken after Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Both of those guys have been great, by the way. But, you know, I, in my opinion, I was saying, um, whoa, hold on a minute. Oh, well, it looks like we have some breaking news here. Uh, wow, I had a whole section on this after, uh, after I finished talking about the defense. Uh, the Giants just traded oh my god we actually got a lot more than i thought we'd get wow the giants just traded uh leonard williams to the seahawks and they got back a 2024 second rounder and a 2025 fifth round wow i i fully expected them to trade leonard williams and i'm going to get into it adore jackson as well but honestly a second round pick for leonard williams is really good Leonard Williams is like a very selfless player. He's a big impact guy. He, you know, a lot of the stuff he does doesn't come up on the stat sheet as to sound like a very old man. And he's a great team guy. Like Leonard Williams, it, I don't know if he is a team captain, but he kind of should be. Great leader, great teammate. I'm going to miss him. He's been one of my favorite Giants since we you know, brought him in. One of the very few good trades that Dave Gettleman made as GM. Very unfortunate to see him go. Uh, Seattle got a massive upgrade on their interior defensive line. He's going to eat it up there. I kind of hope that they let him go back to like his main pass rushing era because he still has a lot left in the tank. Hope they signed him to a good deal. Uh, I, that kind of just also says that the giants are going to be sellers. Cause I have it in my script here at the bottom that the Giants should be sellers at the deadline. I fully expected Leonard Williams to go. I kind of expected, uh, I kind of expected Leonard uh, Dory Jackson to go. Guys like Aziz and Xavier McKinney might go. Man, that really kind of threw my whole thing off. Man, we are 30 minutes in, ladies and gentlemen. We still got a while to go. This is a great episode. Um, but back to the topic at hand, I'll touch more on the Leonard Williams trade when I get to that section. Shout out to the WFAN host for being a fucking moron and being proven wrong. That's where I'm going to cut that off. Deontay Banks, I said it before, had, in my opinion, his first bad game of the season. Uh, Garrett Wilson's a great receiver, and it doesn't matter what quarterback is throwing to him. And that's something I should have considered when last episode when I wasn't, I obviously wasn't trashing him, but I was kind of like, I'm not too worried about him. Uh, he gave up uh, seven catches on 13 targets for 100 yards. He did have two pass breakups. Both of them were nice plays, but overall, just not a very good game. Um, Adore Jackson fucking sucks. I already talked about him. Um, 
Cordell Flott is someone I talk about more than a lot of other Giants creators I've noticed because I really think he's a very underrated corner. And if the Giants end up trading Adore Jackson, I think that they should make Cordell a pretty premier part of their defense. Um, this game, he didn't allow a single catch on three targets, had two pass breakups, including a very clutch one down the line. He's a very like he's a weird player because for his size, you'd think he'd be lined up on the outside more. But the Giants have been running him in the slot just because he's a smaller and faster guy than someone like Adore. Um, so I really hope to kind of see his snaps go up as the season goes on. We're entering the second half. And now I guess this is where I'll talk about the everything with the trade deadline coming up. Because if you don't know, it's week eight, week eight in the NFL is a trade deadline. And it's not really like it's usually not anything too crazy. It's not like the NBA where there are like 30 trades in a day and you have to like continuously keep refresh refreshing your timeline to keep up with it. Um, but man, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of heartbroken by this Leonard Williams trade. I really like Leonard Williams and I'm glad to see him go to a good team. Um, and again, it just kind of confirms that the Giants are going to be sellers at this deadline. They're two and six. They've been massively disappointing. They can't beat teams that they sh- should very easily been beating. Um, so Leonard Williams is already gone. Uh, I fully expect Adore to be gone. Maybe we'll see guys like Aziz Ojolari and Xavier McKinney be moved. I'd rather them keep Xavier McKinney. I think he's a very important part of this defense. He's really stepped up as a run defender, and we already know that he's a very, very capable and good zone defense guy. Man, this is going to be a really interesting week. Like, I, I was not expecting a trade to be coming this soon. Like, the game was yesterday. Um, I also just realized this is the first time Leonard Williams hasn't played for a New York team because he was obviously on the Jets when they drafted him, then traded to the Giants. So oh, I wonder how he's going to like that uh, lovely Seattle weather. Um, yeah, halfway through the season, it's been bad. I'm not going to say it's over. We've seen the Giants do crazier things, but at this point, you have to consider just kind of not tanking, but fully committing to the selling thing and hoping you get a high draft pick. I believe right now they're in line for the third pick and whether or not you spend it on a quarterback. I don't know. It really depends on how Daniel Jones plays the rest of the season. And even then, if he, I don't know if he's going to be able to play to how to the level he did last season. And even then you could still argue that the giants, you know, could consider drafting a quarterback at that. If Daniel Jones plays at that level. Overall, this season's been a shit show in the first half. Um, I don't know what to expect anymore. I don't know who they're going to trade. I don't know if they could trade for anyone. I doubt they're going to. It's going to be a really interesting couple of days seeing, again, how all these trades unfold. Um, Man, this NFL season's flying by. Like We're already at the trade deadline. That's crazy to think. But with that being said, I'm going to close it off here. Longest episode yet. Thank you all so much for the support you've given this show. It's been the most fun I've had creating content in a while. And it really means a lot that I've been given this platform. But again, thank you all so much for watching. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you all again. I'll see you in the next one. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Giant Central, on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.